guys, welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and episode number 28. So today we are joined by Zach Paulos, or Poulos. I just asked him prior That's to the it, call. That's it, you did it. You I did right. it, yes, good. I asked, him, one, yeah. I asked him prior to the call as to whether I was going to pronounce his surname properly. And uh, yeah, second time, second time right there. <laughs> Zach is um, a 22-year-old natural bodybuilder. And I've been following personally Zach for quite some time, definitely in his first competition season and more avidly his second competition season. And he has definitely motivated the hell out of me in terms of showing the potential for a natural athlete. He's obviously very, very gifted in my opinion and has an incredible physique. He also backs that up by being a coach and uh, for Hold Your Own. Uh, which provide online training and nutrition programs, and he he also preps. I'm I believe he also preps natural bodybuilders to the stage. Is that right, Zach? Uh yeah. Awesome, cool. So yeah. yeah, I'm absolutely buzzed to have Zach on, and I think again, like with Zach, he's a younger guy, a younger bodybuilder. He's com- competed as a younger bodybuilder, so it gives the viewers some great perspective into what it's like to be a young, competitive natural bodybuilder, and how Zach has obviously built a pretty amazing physique, as you'll see in the picture that I'll part with the podcast. It's, you know, for 22 years old, he's got some serious muscles. So Zach, first off, thanks very much for coming on. How are you today? You all good? So I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Cool. Glad to have you, mate. So today we're going to, like I said, primarily touch on just getting into the sport as a natural bodybuilder and how Zach has progressed. Also, we're going to touch on some of Zach's Sophie's behind training and nutrition and some of the things that he's taught himself um, over time and how these things have changed. And yeah, we're going to have a good chat. So first of all, Zach... I'd like you to just give us a bit of a background into how you got into competitive natural bodybuilding and what was the first steps that you took in terms of training and then obviously getting involved in natural bodybuilding as a sport. Yeah, no worries. Um, <clears throat> so like probably a lot of people that you hear of, I started off playing a lot of sport when I was younger. Um, my sport was soccer, so you call it football. Cool. Football, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I played that um, up until about the age of 15. And um, I used to play pretty competitively, so I used to play for um, like stateside, and I've been overseas to play when I was younger as well. Um, so first, first off, when I was at the gym was probably when I was about 14 years old. Okay. Um, my, father, my father pretty much just took me in and... Um, it was predominantly just just to um, build my leg strength. Okay. So I would say my first year of actual weight training was three times per week um, leg training. Wow. So that was about – I didn't really do any upper body. So like the so, opposite of everyone else. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, pretty much opposite yeah. of everyone else. Um, so, yeah, I remember my first program. It was pretty much just like on squat, I would do some sort of like – I would do Jefferson squats, lunges, just like box step-ups. And I did that about three times per week for about a year. So all my newbie games, I'm pretty sure just went straight to my legs. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I started. Um, that was about 14. And when I was 15, I stopped playing soccer. Okay. Um, you know, just just whatever reasons for that. Yeah. Um, and I probably started seriously going to the gym regularly. So after I kind of stopped playing soccer at the age of like 15, I really wasn't going to the gym regularly after that because I, I didn't see the need to train because I wasn't playing any sport. Sure. Um, but when I was probably about 16, 17 years old, a couple of my mates from my school joined a gym and I joined with them. So basically for, for about two years before my first show, it was just, just going to the gym with some of my school friends uh-huh. and um, really we didn't really know what we were doing at all um it was kind of just like rock up and um pick a muscle group to train that day Uh blast that for an hour hour and a half and go home really so didn't really have any idea how to train properly and as far as nutrition went probably the first year just ate normally ate whatever um but me and my mates at school were quite competitive and i remember like one of the guys you like kind of started to bring like tuna and rice to school with some like green beans and stuff yeah, yeah so i was like hey, 
hang on, he's he's trying to get one up on me. You know, I better start eating some more protein and uh, looking after what I'm eating. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so from there on in, I probably just started to actually just watch what food I ate. Uh-huh. It was more like so along the guidelines of I need to get protein in every three hours, mm-hmm. very bro. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, eat eat most of my carbs around my training. So I guess I was kind of right in yeah, in, sure. in what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so after about two years of consistent training there, um, one of the guys from my gym, he was one of the trainers, that older guy, probably close to 60 years old, okay. um, he asked me if I wanted to do a bodybuilding show, which I never thought about it in my life before. I pretty much just lifted to look good yeah, and, sure. um, to, and to impress girls <laughs> like um like most young guys yeah yeah um but yeah so i, I i'm originally from a quite a small kind of country town rural area okay. but we did actually have a bodybuilding show there which is funny enough they oh. don't actually run it anymore okay but um yeah the show was probably 40 50 competitors total like male female across all divisions okay okay um, yeah. so this this older trainer from the gym he he ran that show so basically, he just asked me to say, "Look, I'm I'm running a show in a couple months. Did you want to, you know, participate in it? You'll be in the teenage category. Yeah. Um, I think you would do really well, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, so just from going on from that, I I kind of just told him I'll have a little bit of a think about it because I I really didn't know what bodybuilding was then. Sure. All I kind of knew was just stood on stage in a pair of undies, <laughs> and I wasn't sure if I was going to be really comfortable doing that. Yeah. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so, you know, anyway, I, I ended up, you know, doing the show and, and he helped prep me for the first show. Okay. And it was it was a six-week prep, not <laughs> not a very good prep. But, um, you know, I I still thank him to this day because even though the way to get me to stage, you know, I've learned, you know, a lot better ways. You yeah. know, without him, I, I would have never done my first show and possibly I would have never ended up where I am today. So, yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, that's kind of the road to my first show. And I was actually, I don't know, you probably don't even know, I've had actually three competitive seasons, uh, not, not two. I think you believe I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, 2012, 2014, 2016. Ah, okay, um, cool. Yeah, so 2012, like none of that was really posted on social media or anything. So I don't think too many know, people know about that one. But um, yeah, that was my first year of competing. I think I was, I just turned 18. Yeah, I no, started. I think I think actually maybe somewhere I saw maybe a photo of you at eighteen competing. Um and obviously yep. it was a stark comparison to both twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen in terms of <clears throat> the level of muscularity yep. and the condition. It was com- completely different. So obviously looking back at the six week prep versus probably what was, you know, into the teens or maybe even the twenty week preps that you did for the later shows, obviously it shows in the in the different packages that you brought. One question that I did have for you just sticking on like the initial phases is obviously you're a, a really muscular guy for your age. When do you think that you made the majority of your progress in terms of hypertrophy and laying down I guess the foundations your for your physique when do you think you really sort of nailed that and you were like wow okay I'm making significant progress now um I think I was between my first season of shows in 2012 yeah I had a off season in 2013 and then I competed at the end of 2014 between that kind of year and a half two year gap period I think that's when I made the best gains and I think between my 2012 to 2014 competition physique that is where you're going to see the you know the most drastic changes yeah. there yeah um so I think in between that period that would have been probably between 18 and 20 okay 18 20 yeah that's probably when I made you know the most noticeable gains where you know I can compare two pictures and be like wow they're just two completely different people yeah for sure what do you put that down to what sort of changed after your first show that made that off season so good cool so i think i put it down to i think i think it's because after my first competition season i went on like a stupid ridiculous bulk <laughs> like it, it was like eating everything yeah, yeah. in sight and you know 
I've I've learned a major lesson from every year that I've competed. For sure. Um, so obviously in 2012, the first first um, first one was I need longer than six weeks to prep. Yep. Okay. So I need a longer prep. And, and on my 2014 show, after those competitions, my um, major lesson was I did prep for a good long time, but just don't get too fat in the off season. Um, so to like put it to you, like I was on stage on my first show at like 70. Three kilograms. Okay. Like yeah. I got up to like almost a hundred kilos in wow. off season. So you can imagine, you know, like young guy testosterone is at all time high, lifting uh-huh. pretty much every day and just eating the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that you know all that, all that combination was just that's when I built majority of the muscle mass that I have just yeah. during that period of time there. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I'd, I'd actually kind of relate to that in the fact that I think my first experience of like having a gaining phase, whilst the training maybe wasn't structured as well as it could have been, and I didn't have a periodized program or anything special like that, I was eating a lot and enough protein, I was training hard, and I did get pretty heavy, like I got... I think a good six or seven pounds above my peak off-season weight this year in my first game yeah, phase, yeah. and that was like two years ago. So I was obviously I had way less muscle mass, way less muscle yeah. mass, and a lot more fat. But I yeah. do agree with you in the fact that I think I think younger competitors, and this is something that I'm going to touch on next. But I think some of the younger competitors out there get a little bit too het up in the fact that they should stay a little bit leaner and do the whole lean gain process and be very rig- like regimented with their the amount of scale weight they gain per week and they almost get a little bit too stressed and hit up on it and they almost forget to have the bit where they try- just train hard and eat and you grow quite naturally as a result of that so in your opinion like what's the current situation that you're seeing with sort of teens and juniors with regards to competing are you seeing people maybe compete too early and how if a listener is like a young person and they want to compete how long would you recommend people investing in their physique prior to doing that first show yeah yeah for sure um, I think, you know, to begin with that question is like, if you are going to do a show, you've got to ask yourself why you want to do that show and what do you want to get out of it? Uh-huh. Um, so like for me personally, I I want to be the best yeah. and I want to go on with a show and I, I want to win that thing. Like <laughs> I, I'm not going to train, bust my ass, diet for however long to come second like that's not going to happen so that's me personally but you know i think for them they they should ask themselves you know do they just want to get on stage just to have the experience and um and i guess just have fun or do they want to go up there and really try and go for the win and um you know be the best they can be um and you gotta gotta realize as well between those ages of like probably a lot of young guys starting to get in the gym probably around 16 or so would you agree yeah in the age of 16 yeah maybe yeah a bit um, now. yeah yeah um you know between between that kind of you know 15 16 to 20 years old age gap you're going to make the best gains of your life yeah sure in, in that time period um in my opinion anyway yeah um so you know if you're always trying to be super lean um you know you could pot- potentially leave some gains on the table for you know how much you're able to actually progress. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think some some advice that I've given to other young guys as well is I think the age different might be a little bit different in the UK. So over here in Australia, teenagers nineteen and under, okay. and juniors is twenty one and under. You guys got twenty three and under, yeah, correct? Yeah, we go twenty three under. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cool. Um, you know, I've told a lot of guys to compete in their last year eligible for their. Um, age category. Yeah, no, I agree. So, yep. so, you know, whether that's a teenager, you know, you're 19 years old on stage. So, potentially, m- most of the other guys should be 19 on stage, but then you've got the 18-year-olds, 17, 16-year-olds, which just don't have that level of muscularity from not having as many years of training. Yeah. Especially on that at that young age, one year, and like I said before, you know, between my two-year kind of, oh, one-year off-season, that's when I made um, really drastic improvements in my physique. At that age, a year, you can put on a lot of muscle mass when you're that young. For sure. um, 
So every year that you have before you actually jump on stage is is just going to benefit you and you're just going to do it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like, you know, minimum training time or whatever to get on stage, I think probably at that age, like, I'd say like at least most guys are probably going to have at least two years of training before they jump up as a team. Absolutely. I think I think I think you know as young guys we we all want to do well and improve ourselves and everything. So I I think you know two three years at least before you want to jump up that's that's probably okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that that whole idea of competing in the last year that you're eligible is a really good plan because you know as 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 frustrating as it is, it is the age category and the way that that's set out is favouring anyone that's at the top end of it naturally because they've probably got the most training years behind them. Being a younger competitor, you've all probably trained for a similar amount of time. There's probably not so many people that have just got into it, and <clears throat> you know you've got to put yourself and if if you're like like us like me and you we're both very similar in the fact that i did totally agree with you i only compete because well my main reason for competing is because i want to win the thing like i'm competitive and i want to win the thing and you know that's if that's your main goal at the end of it then you've got to consider putting yourself in the most optimal situation to do that um so yeah i would i would definitely agree that competing in the last year is is probably the most beneficial idea and i think again unfortunately with younger people they sort of want to compete because it's fashionable or because that's kind of the reason they get into lifting so they might they might now see like on instagram they'll see like a bodybuilder like ours or they might see maybe a higher profile bodybuilder like an ifbb pro and they'll get into the gym as a factor of that and then uh, i think me and you obviously got into the gym because our sport that we were playing it required us to be physically more physically fit so we got into the gym quite naturally if you get what i mean yeah uh, i think that's kind of a better way to get into things rather than being oh i see an ifbb pro i want to look like him let's get into the gym and then do a bodybuilding show within like a year they forget yeah. the whole investment and the whole actually just enjoying training um and similarly with females as well like they seem to get into it because they want to be a bikini competitor and they forget to actually build the muscle and they diet and they don't enjoy the dieting and then they actually fall out of love with the gym um which is shocking but yeah okay so i think i'll just um um, yeah sorry go for it just to add to that with the whole you know getting into it for the right reasons like if if you told me that you know, I wasn't allowed to do any more shows anymore. I'd still train. You know what I mean? Sure, so I think, of course, yeah. You, you know, you you got to get into it because you love to train, not because you just want to compete. So, you know, I don't think I think if you don't have that foundation of just you know the love of training and just and just like working hard, um, you're not going to go very far if you're only doing it just to get on stage. Yeah, you got to actually love the process and actually love training. Yeah, yeah. You'll soon you'll soon find out how hard it is when you're dieting yeah. and like extremely lean i remember seeing a video of you that i thought was one of probably one of the best videos that i've ever seen on youtube with with regards to contest prep and training you put up like a leg workout really really close to your show and it just showed the raw intensity that you have to be in when you're struggling like fuck to get through a session and yeah. I, it displayed it so well because I felt I've had so many sessions exactly like that where you just have to grind out every single rep and push yourself through the entire session. Even just turning up sometimes is like the hardest thing. But, you know, you get into it and you do eventually enjoy sessions. So, yeah, I thought I was properly good just to give you a shout yeah, out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, so people love like talking numbers, Zach. So... You competed, obviously, the first time in 2012, and you competed recently in 2016. So just give us some, I guess, some comparisons, if you can remember them off the top of your head. What was your stage weight like in 2012? And then what is what was your stage weight like recently in 2016 in terms of numbers? And then we can obviously have an idea as to how much muscle you've realistically laid down across that time period. Yep, cool. Um, so 2012, my first shows. I this is just a rough guess. I'm pretty sure I was on stage around the 73 to 74 kilogram mark. Okay, sure. 
Um, where I started that prep, it probably would have been like, I, I actually used to stay, yeah, I was actually, you know, in pretty decent nick before that show. But um, I was probably about 80, 82 kilogram there. But what you got to remember is my conditioning at that 74 kilograms. Was like, I was, I was yeah, probably like five five kilos at least off okay, where yeah. I need, like where where I could have been. Okay. Um, and in comparison to uh, last year, um, my off season weight was around 90, 90 kilograms. Sure, sure. And I competed at my very last show at about seventy seven and a half, seventy eight kilograms. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it was roughly 12, 12, 13 kilo weight loss there. But my conditioning um, for that show was, I would say, almost perfect. Almost. Yeah, yeah no, almost. I agree. So not quite there 100%, but I was pretty happy and it was the leanest I've ever been in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So also what did, um, in comparison as well, what did, because obviously 2014 you got you got really, really lean as well uh, for, for a junior. You were a junior at that point, yeah? Correct. Uh, no, I was a teenager. Still. Oh, you're a teen. Okay, awesome. Teenage, That's even yeah. better. So in 2014, yeah. <laughs> what was your stage weight? And then in comparison, what was your um? Yeah, what was the gain in terms of stage weight gain across the 2014-2016? Uh, that's funny because it's probably only about a kilogram difference. Really? Wow. So I think, Look, way more yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's just conditioning as well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, conditioning yeah. too. Like obviously, I was very lean in 2014, but I still think that I was next level above that last year. Okay. Um, in 2016, compared to that, so yeah, only only weight difference was you know about a kilogram that's different. That's mental. Mm. That's really that's like because. I, I I obviously follow you really really closely, so I've seen all the pictures, the comparisons, etc. And like some of the comparisons, if people go away, look at your Instagram, scroll through, you'll see like that kilogram difference makes, and obviously the the better conditioning combined combined with that makes a huge difference in terms of the images, and that just I guess makes me excited as a result of having a year off and being like I'm coming back down now, so like I'm. I'm already probably like five or six pounds heavier than I was at my peak off season last year, and I already feel leaner than I was then. Yeah. So it is yeah, crazy how like little bit of time off and investment like it makes a big difference. And then obviously even the, if the scale weight on stage is pretty similar or a little bit above, it will make a big difference. Um, yeah. So that's exactly. awesome. In terms of um, your off seasons. Zach, so you had an off season in twenty. It must have been twenty fifteen. What yep. did you use, and obviously, what are you using now as your primary motivators to keep you on track with training and nutrition? Because I find a lot of people seem to be only motivated by fat loss and only motivated by a show date. Now, what's yeah, what's keeping you motivated in these gaining phases? Yeah, it does get a little bit hard. Um sometimes post show because what you generally see is you start to get less and less conditioned mm -hmm. and um it still takes i think you know like a good three to four months post show if you're properly lean yeah. to actually get any type of um strength and, and power back really I agree, I agree. um so so, so those, you know, those following couple months can be tough because you know you're looking worse and you're still not That's as strong as you once were yeah. So, you know, what, what is it now? I competed in last show was like October last year mm -hmm. and it's March now. I only just started like over the last couple of weeks wow. to actually feel strong, strong again. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that can, um, that can affect you a little bit, but I think, you know, towards the mid to back end of your off season, I think something that helps me a lot is, um, just loving to train really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, um, just loving to train, and, and like I said before, like if if you told me that I couldn't compete anymore, I'd I'd still train just as hard. Yeah. Um, but a couple, you know, maybe a couple of good little things. Um, with the off season is is setting some sort of um strength goal. Okay. Um, you know, whether that be like a one rep max or a you know a for reps kind for of thing. Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I think, you know, last off-season I set myself a goal of I wanted to sport 200 kilos for 10 reps. Um, I, I think I managed eight at the end, so <laughs> I didn't get that one. But, you know, just setting yourself some sort of strength goal. So when you go into the gym with your, you know, major lifts, you, you, have, you have something else to focus on rather than just how you look at the time. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, you know, I look at myself now compared to when I was – on stage and I'm like, oh man, I'm like 10 kilos heavier, I'm fat, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> when really I'm not, it's just, you know, it's just it, it all in your head and it's just, you know, just the contrast. But um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think you know, focusing on external goals rather than just how you look at that current point of time mm. um, could be really good. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree with the whole strength goals thing and kind of taking yourself like a, a backseat away from thinking about how you look all the time because unfortunately when you're when you're prepping the main thing that you're bothered about is stepping on the scale is it going down yeah perfect am i looking better you're constantly like you're with these two variables and unfortunately that's where some people forget strength retention and then they look shit anyway because they've forgotten about retaining their muscle but you're obsessed you're obsessed with these two variables it's quite easy to get obsessed with either the scale or the way you look and then transferring into an off season with a gaining phase, you're like, what do I focus on now? And I think focusing on strength and focusing on progressing your numbers and like if you're logging your training, your logbook becomes a very exciting tool to always beat and always progress with. And yeah, I totally agree with that. And with regards to the strength regain as well, I know exactly how you feel with that because I think, you know, it, I finished my shows at a similar time period and it took me again until sort of probably midway through the next year to start gaining momentum again. And like yep. we, talk, we talked about this on Instagram before about how we don't see why people compete, compete every year because, you know, it's taken Zach like the best part of six, seven months to start even sort of tapping into regaining some of the strength that he had, which is obviously quite demoralizing. Um, so yeah, I think those are all really, really good points. When it comes to uh, your training at the moment, Zach, with regards to sort of the, the way you set up things in terms of your structure throughout the week, have you found something that for an off-season or even for a dieting phase that, that just works for you and that you found has been a consistent sort of setup for your off-seasons and dieting phases? Yeah, um, what, what we might start with is just when I'm dieting, I guess. Um, so last year, I prepped for 24 weeks. And on like my, my goal was obviously to retain as much strength as possible. Sure. So that whole 24-week prep, um, I actually, my training program looked almost identical from this day one yeah. to, you know, com- competition day. And the reason why is was so I could compare my numbers from day one to to the show date. So that's kind of what I like to do last year. And um, I think, you know, trying to hold on to um, that strength as much as possible is really important uh-huh. for your muscle retention, okay. as long as you're not putting yourself um, under risk of injury. Because um, yep. that becomes more evident, the uh, the leaner that you get and the kind of more more body fat and weight that you kind of drop. Yeah, but in terms of um, now in the off season, how I set up my programming. Um, so basically, after my first kind of season of competing, I've always been lower body dominant, especially my quads. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my off season training is just what it should be for any bodybuilder. Really, is just prioritizing your weaknesses. Really. Okay. Um, you know. So currently, I I'll hit. I, I kind of do a three-day on, one-day off, three-day on, one-day off. Okay. So I don't actually fit into a typical seven-day-a-week seven routine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually – this is actually the first time I've done that. I've always liked I want to train this on Monday, I want to train this on Tuesday and so on. Um, but I've been doing this probably the last three months. Yeah. And um, I've been really enjoying it. Um, so, you know, three on, one off. And over that kind of eight-day cycle, I'm training six days. And only one of those six days – I'll hit my lower body. Okay, okay so sure. so it's five upper body sessions to every one lower body session. Okay, and um, 
my lower body sessions are predominantly hamstrings and glutes. So the only real quad activity I'll get is um, squatting and maybe some lunges as well. Um, But did you want like exact how I like set up each day, like what I train on this day, that day, that day as well? No, absolutely. I think you've explained it really, really well there. I'm interested a little bit into more specifics, not so much with the actual days, but just whether you're more of a, I guess, higher volume guy comparative to most um give the listeners an idea as to maybe how many work sets you kind of do in a normal session if you can think off the top of your head and that will give people an idea as to potentially whether you're a higher volume guy or you know everyone obviously has a different mrv or maximal recoverable training volume so it's just interesting to see whether a guy with your muscle mass has sort of quite a high mrv i'm expecting you to to have that yeah i kind of am yeah 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 um i do typically train with quite high volume um also my frequency as well is is quite, is quite um quite high on my weaker body parts so over that kind of eight day cycle i'll probably hit um chest three times over that eight days wow, okay um i'll hit um shoulders probably about four times okay over that eight days um you know a lot of that when i say that it's not you know something like a, a side lateral raise you sure. know what i mean so if i'm just if i'm just like throwing you know five sets of that on every other upper body day it kind of accumulates a lot of volume over the week yeah. um but generally generally it's quite high volume i'm just trying to think off the top of my head how many working sets i would do um so on my first kind of like three-day cycle like i go upper lower upper mm-hmm. um on my upper body day i'd probably do just let me have a think Man, it's a guess probably anywhere between thirty to forty sets. Yeah, no, that's quite work- a lot. Yeah, that's for sure. Of um, that is quite a big workout though because I I would generally do you know two chest exercises, two shoulders, two back. Yeah. One by one, one tricep. So you got like seven different exercises, and you're doing you know three to three to five sets on every single one. You know, it builds up yeah. quite quickly. Are you? Um, so- how how long are your sessions usually taking for like a general upper body session? Um, anyway, between an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Depends how, depends how long I'm resting between my sets as well. Yeah. Um, generally, I like to really closely track my, especially my first exercise, whether it be a bench press or a strict overhead press or something. Okay. Just because I'm quite numbers orientated with that. Everything yeah. else during the session, I may not track as much, go sort of by feel. Okay, in um, terms of logbooking, so your logbook like the first couple of movements, yeah? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 just because just I, I really like to closely kind of log them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and if I'm if I'm doing some like heavy overhead presses and I'm, you know, I could be taking anywhere between three to five minutes rest break. Yeah. So if you're doing five sets of that, that's... A long what, time. <laughs> 20 minutes of resting. Yeah. But then, yeah. then again, you know, I don't mind because that... That first movement, I, I'm really quite numbers orientated. I want to hit certain numbers in those movements. Again, going back to that whole um, motivation for off season, being mm. able to hit hit certain numbers. Yeah, sure. um, so that's why I really take that time with that first exercise. Everything else is a little bit shorter rest break, not as heavily tracked. Uh-huh. Um, but that's that's generally kind of how I would set it up. Awesome, amazing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that when I was sort of getting into the deeper ends of my off season and similar with clients as well. I kind of like to take the reins off some things for a little bit. So like with their accessory movements, they might be able to go by feel or at least train hard, but have an idea of where they're at, but not necessarily track everything. Same goes with like nutrition. And it's a question that I'll just shoot to you right now. I don't think I structured it, but yeah, in terms of like nutrition, do you back off the gas a little bit in terms of the way that you're tracking your macros throughout the off season and what do you believe the benefits are in terms of competitors maybe not tracking every single macro all the time in a gaining phase and an off season what's your nutrition like um so this this off season i've actually taken a different approach compared to my oh, okay. previous two okay. previous two i would still almost track my macros down to the t every day proteins carbs oh, wow. fats. Yeah. yes 
um, <laughs> very, very rigid like that. So that was, yeah, even the opposite. But, you know, in saying that, I would, you know, there would be a couple meals during the week that are that wouldn't be tracked. Out. Um, yeah. yeah, just just to kind of enjoy it a bit more. But, yeah, thinking back on that, yeah, I was very, like, and it was getting down to, like, if I had 15, you know, even less than that, like five grams of protein to the eat, eat that yeah. night season, I would have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it was very, very rigid like that. Um, this off season, I've been a little more relaxed okay. with it. Um, you know, my, most days I'll try and hit hit my macros pretty pretty bang on. Sure. But you know, I've you know I've taken you know some days where I just hit protein calories uh-huh. and other days um other days you know i'll just i'll just kind of just eat and just make sure i get you know maybe four to five good doses of, of protein in during that day and um i've been you know maintaining my body weight on that pretty comfortably being able to um, progress strength wise in the gym nice. so i have taken the approach of being a little more relaxed mm-hmm. i think that came from last year's competition prep just you know prepping for so long and getting leaner than I ever have before, um, mentally just, it fried me. Very so, focused um, and things like that. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, if I just could just, you know, um, not be as strict myself this, this kind of off season, um, I'll be able to enjoy myself a lot more rather than, you know, really panicking if I'm, you know, under or over a certain macro or whatever. Uh-huh. So I'm a little bit more relaxed now, which is, which is fine. Yeah, no, I I do agree with that. In fact, I can relate to you again quite massively with the the whole strict and regimented feel that people tend to sometimes drag into their off-seasons. I think it's kind of a good thing because it shows that we as competitors are really driven and really dedicated to maximise every single minute, hour that we have in terms of gaining and maximising each session. I think it's quite easy to get too relaxed and people then, you know, stop hitting their protein intake, being stupid with meal timing so that they're not they're going without protein for like six, seven hours. And I just think that they, they throw it by the wayside and that's when they don't make any off season progression. And that's really yeah. frustrating. So I think there's two two sides to the argument. You've got to be regimented enough to stay somewhat on track, but at the same time, yeah. you've got to have the relaxed, off-the-gas feel so that when you do go into a, a comp prep again, you're actually feeling a bit fresh and you're like, okay, I'm actually ready to go. Like Mentally, I'm, I'm a little bit more stable now. And I think that's, personally, coming off the gas a little bit the end of last year has made the transition into tracking everything to the gram again so much easier and i feel like this like has been so easy so far because tracking is quite new it's almost kind of fun again because yeah i kind of like it and obviously you can get bored of it really easy um one more question sort of reverting a little bit back to training with training intensity and obviously taking sets very close to fail um, pushing hard in every session how often do you see it that people maybe get too entwined in a program and specific numbers and their logbook and they actually forget to train hard and how important or how high do you rate training intensity in terms of a useful tool to maximize hypertrophy um yeah, that, that that can be the problem with um logbooking everything in terms of, you know, let's say you beat, you know, whatever you lifted last week by two and a half, five kilograms, you're like, woohoo, win. <laughs> but um, you know, you left you still left like five or six reps in the tank. In the tank you know, yeah. and it's and it's gonna take you what, like three or four months just to even just reach that, you know, maximum potential threshold where you're actually struggling yeah. to hit you know, a certain goal weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of that, like I'm, I'm of the mind of like, if, if you want to track your training, like maybe the first one or two sessions, maybe leave a rep in the tank. But you know, by like week three, you should be like <laughs> almost, almost at failure um, and really having to grind and push yourself to, to hit those reps. Yeah. And um, like I said before, with like me personally with like log booking, it, it's I mostly just log the bigger movements like a squat, a bench press, a deadlift, um, 
you know, an overhead press or something like that. Sure. So I feel like, you know, with an exercise such as like a lap pull down or, you know, a, a dumbbell side lateral raise, you can really like cheat out a whole heap of reps and kind of lie to yourself yeah. how like much you're progressing. You but like, be. you know, yeah, you know, like with a deadlift, that's honest. Like you have to pick that off the ground to your hips <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, that, that that's that. You can't cheat there. And, and, you know, same with the squat when you're hitting depth and bench press, the bar hits your chest and it comes up kind of thing. Yeah, so I think that, that's what's the, um, you know, most importantly track. And um, what was it? Intensity. Mm. Um, yeah, intensity is going to be everything really. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not like busting your ass in the gym, like what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like you, you don't see the guys that are, the the best kind of natural bodybuilders like even just for an example like doug miller have you ever seen that guy train i'm sure you have <laughs> yeah like, like that that's just that's just stupid crazy intensity and that is why he's where he is today really yeah. um so i think you you have to um train to um you know your maximum intensity levels every single time you go into the gym um but with that said you know there is a time to kind of you know, step off the gas and, you know, ha- have a little bit of an easier session and kind of use a little bit of auto-regulation and, and kind of deload when you need to. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Because I'll, I'll never schedule a deload into my training. Okay, like, it's always like, I'm like, I'm like flat stick with my training. Like, I'm going as hard as I possibly can every session. Yeah. And if if I need a deload, I, I I will, but if, I, if I'm progressing, I'm happy and, and I'm training well, I'm not going to. Yeah. And in terms of like a deload, that that just might be, you know, I wake up one morning, I know I got to squat that day and I'm feeling pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, I just won't train. I just won't train. Um, and that's why I really like the way I've set up my programming at the moment is because I don't have to train on a specific day of the week. So yeah. if I need to take that one extra rest day to kind of recover, I, I can and I don't feel bad for missing my Wednesday chest session or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think, and also with the deloads, I kind of like program them in for like whenever I go back home yeah, um, yeah, to yeah. my home or something like that. Um, yeah, so they're not something like, you know, every six weeks I'm going to have a deload here or whatever. Because I think if you're doing well and you're progressing, don't stop. Yeah. I just keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I actually really, really agree with that. I think that the deload factor is, is like it can ruin momentum so much. I've yeah. had I've had times where I'll schedule deloads and I'll stick to them like a T and I know that I'll be like I'll get to the deload point and almost like, Am I fatigued or am I just not sleeping well or not hydrated, not getting my meals in? Or something like that, and there'll be other variables that could counterintuitively make me think I need a deload. But in reality, I don't, and I can continue pushing. And there's been a few times where I have continued pushing and got like so much more progression out of that extra two, yep. three weeks. And then I think you only really need to deload when you are fucked and you are like yes. literally on your last legs. Like progression is really starting to get tough and you need that week and you actually by then you actually enjoy the deload because you've pushed yourself so hard that you like oh finally i like to get yeah, to yeah, yeah. actually take a set that's not like ball busting almost a failure yeah, yeah. um so yeah i i do i do think that's really really important um obviously when deloading and things like that we're doing things like minimizing the risk of injury and something that i had to ask you is have you ever dealt with quite a i don't know a decent injury that set you back a fair amount or that you've had to work around um even if it's just like a niggle that's been there and you've had to adjust things or work around it have you experienced anything like that and most importantly have you worked around it or overcame overcame that issue um there's there's been like plenty of like little niggles here and there but I, you know, I've been really fortunate that I've I've never had like a major injury that has like really put me out of training. Um, you know, most recently was probably coming out of my competition prep last year. Okay. Um, had a you know bit of um, hip pain, oh, um, particularly when um, squatting and deadlifting. Yeah. Um, 
particularly when I was low bar squatting, just anything, you know, where I would set my hips back or have some sort of hip extension. Um, you know, I couldn't really deadlift anything over 170 kilograms. Um, so mm-hmm. basically how I dealt with that is I just, you know, I, I'm fortunate as well with, you know, those lower body injuries is if I want to take a bit of time off not training my lower body, that's not going to ruin my physique because yeah, yeah. uh, it's already quite developed as it is. So, you know, that, that was just a matter of me of just not not doing those movements that hurt it. Um, yeah. And I think as, as I progressively put on body fat, it just kind of fixed itself and um, that's fine. But I think the, the beauty of building – yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think that's that's why that came on and practicing posing a lot and kind of flexing at the top of my quads toward my hip flexors there. Yeah. I think doing that, like practicing that a lot really kind of jacked I up know, my hips yeah, a bit. I kind of noticed when you set your quads as well for poses, you kind of internally rotate your hips and then pop them back out. Um, is that yeah. is that something that you did to like f- get engaged with your quads more out of interest? <laughs> Um, so generally like you see a lot of people when they pose on stage and they flex their quads they kind of flex their quads from like halfway down if that makes sense yeah so like you won't see a lot of people with like you know deep cuts all the way up towards their hips yeah so what i what i kind of like to think about when i'm you know obviously flexing my legs for like posing is kind of flex them from the top of my hips okay. to get those cuts at the top and then the rest of my leg will just kind of naturally flex with that. So yeah. that that's that's kind of why I pose like that really. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, sorry, I just picked um, and, up. And just, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, getting back to like injuries and that, like like the great thing about bodybuilding is if like you can't do something, there's always another exercise you can do. Yeah, yep. um, so, you know, if you can't squat because you had a bad back or whatever, you know, there's a leg press there. <laughs> extensions, yeah. curls, lunges, everything. So, you know, I think, you know, it's fantastic in a way of um, if you do have an injury, focus on what you can, can do. do yeah. Don't focus on what you can't. Don't focus on what you can't do because then you're just going to do your head in. It's just going to be, um, you know, a mind fuck. And yeah. So, yeah, just, just focus on the things that you can do and do them well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, say you got a shoulder injury, it's probably a good time to catch up on that leg development that you've been missing out on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, just, <laughs> yeah. So, you can always do something else. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think people can get quite psychologically down with injuries. I know that when I get even just a niggle, I couldn't imagine what like a full-on injury is like. But even just a niggle yeah. with me, I'll I will get down about it for a bit. But as soon as like you said, you f- accept it. Acceptance is quite key. And then you're like, okay, what can I do? So can I leg yeah. press? Can I split squat? Can I leg extend, etc. Yes, I can load the quads brilliantly right, let's just go ahead and do some things that I can actually do. Um, yeah. But yes, it's good also that you've trained for so long, done so many shows and managed to stay, you know, pretty much relatively injury-free and it just goes to show that, you know, that's really, really important when it comes to building maximum muscle mass is actually just staying injury-free and you've probably yes. had very efficient training blocks where you've gained a lot of strength and that's a custom of staying injury-free as well. Which I think sure. so many yeah. people overlook. They get like a big injury like a month into their training career and that stunts a lot of progress. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, like if you see like, like we're, the best natural bodybuilders in the year, they're all like over, uh, sorry, the best natural bodybuilders in the world, they're all, you know, they're 35 to 40 years it's an old. old. sport, yeah. Exactly. So we've got like 15 more years to go, so we can't break ourselves now. So, you know, it's all about the long run. So, you know, I... I you know, you got to. There's times to really push, and then there's times to like, you know, say, "Oh, that doesn't feel right. Let's let's stop." Yeah. So yeah, agreed. Cool. So when it comes to uh, dieting and be it off season or pre contest, what is your general approach to things? And will um you just share your thoughts on the idea of? flexible dieting versus other people running meal plans etc and i guess actually more primarily with this question is your approach to pre-contest are you a a dieter that just utilizes flexible dieting or do you start to eat very similar foods every single day and fit to more structure Uh, just discuss your general approach to sort of flexible dieting and pre-contest 
Yeah. Um, so just just to start with, just how just how I went about just setting up my food to start with. Sure. Um, so I have a, I have a coach. My coach name is um, Nathan Wallace. He's actually the uh, business owner of the place that I work at, Hold Your Own. Um, so he's, he's a natural pro bodybuilder. So he, he kind of looks after a lot of my prep for me so I don't freak out and make stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like, I know the reasoning behind why he's doing everything, but you know, it's just super important that you know you have someone else look, look out for you. Okay. Um, but basically, just, just setting it up, like I knew where my off-season macros were, so it, basically it was just taking a cut to them. And um, generally, generally it's about competition prep, protein will stay consistent the whole yeah. entire time. Yeah. It started at 240 grams a day, and that's that's where I ended up. And just um, my, my calorie reductions pretty much just came from carbs and fats, really. Um, so protein was always the same. And in terms of uh, flexible diet, yes, I did flexible diet my whole prep. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing you got to realize is though is as you get lower on food, you're not going to be able to fit too much of that calorie dense goodness within you know calorie dense foods in, into your meal plan uh-huh. um so probably for the like the first like you know 14 weeks of my prep i was eating fairly similar each day but you know maybe dinner might be something different sure. and and you know it was never i never, I never ate rubbish. i always ate you know clean whatever foods but it, it just gave you that option just to have something you know slightly different if you wanted some mm-hmm. loaf ice cream go for it but, you know, when I got down to my lower calories, I did, in fact, pretty much eat the same thing every day, yes. even though, you know, I would say that I would call myself a flexible dieter. But, you know, when, when you're on a low amount of carbohydrates, you want to eat a lot of, um, a lot of vegetables and, you know, you, you don't want to have these, you know, you know, things like oh, crap yeah, into, into, into your diet because, you know, they're just going to chew away at your calories yeah. and you're going to be hungrier because, um, you know, as you probably know yourself towards those last couple of weeks, you're at the hell and you're just starving all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess the only downfall of, you know, having that option of tracking your macros is sometimes you get really fixated on what little treat you can fit in any day or you know what's something different i can have or you know can i fit some ice cream or something like that into my meal plan and at the end of the day the answer is always going to be no because that's not going to fill you up as much as you know you know your veggies um but i remember like going to the supermarket and i would just like literally like i'd be like i need to go to the supermarket i need to get a lettuce but then i'd just like spend half an hour just like walking through the aisles like picking every single like package up being like what are macros on this and just like you know just uh, you know spending like yeah, half an hour in there to a, a friggin lettuce yeah. um i that could be the downside of that of just like not having just a regimented plan just saying like that's what you eat no exceptions that's it yeah um yeah. but yeah towards the end i yeah, it was probably like 95% of the same foods every day because the, the way that I kind of set out my food was um, I, only, I only ate four meals in a day. Okay. I ate my breakfast. I had a big pre-training meal. Okay. I had a big post-training meal. And then I had like a relatively small dinner, which was just like protein and veg. Mm. So the way that I set that up was like probably – or um, most of my carbs was around my training just so I could perform better in the gym really. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it just pretty much ended up being the same thing every day towards the end. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think you touched on a really good point there towards the end is that like with your carbohydrates and situating them around your sessions, like there's nothing crazily amazing about that with regards to fat loss, but with regards to performance in your sessions, obviously that was what, primarily gave you good training sessions and obviously people react in different ways people like different things but i've seen for the most part a good way to structure your nutrition will be primarily basing your carbohydrates around your sessions it just kind of makes sense right and a lot of people tend to forget that with flexible dieting and they start doing the crazy things with like carb backloading and just loading all their nutrition for pre-bed because they want to make this like flex bowl and put it on instagram and i just i just get get frustrated (laughs) with that because i think that you can't possibly be maximizing every gram that you're putting in by doing these stupid things and if you're dragging your ass through a training session just to have some 
variety in your diet then you're not really doing bodybuilding you're more doing like competitive dieting you're trying to figure out a way to yeah to figure out how you can fit in some some rubbish so yeah i think you've got the approach like nailed and i think a lot of people should take that away from this podcast is that zach's got incredible results both conditioning and retaining a lot of muscle mass and he's done that via focusing on what's going to work best for training performance which is massively key and obviously flexible dieting as well which is kind of cool because um you know a lot of people look at your physique and say no it's not possible with flexible dieting <laughs> yeah 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 kind of rubbish uh cool no, zach cool. so we're coming up to an hour so i'll finish up with some just some final questions for you really so when you um look into the future as a natural athlete what's your main goal so what's the top of the tree what do you really want to do as a natural bodybuilder um they one of the best in the world really simply put it um you know in, in terms of like shows to win in that like obviously in australia i don't even know if you mentioned i'm from australia yeah, yeah. i'm australia um <laughs> in australia we do have natural body bodybuilding federations but i guess you know to progress to the next level on like a world scale i would probably have to do some shows over in america sure um there are some freaks over there mm-hmm. um but yeah man like I, I want people to look at me in the future and be like yeah he's one of one of the best yeah. um in the world for sure but um you know i know that's going to take probably another 15 years of training but that's okay. I'll enjoy the journey. Um, yeah, that's probably like the main goal there. I just kind of want to be the the best that I can possibly be within the sport. Amazing. Number cool. one. <laughs> yeah, good man. Good man. Now you can definitely see it in your dedication, your passion, and in like all your videos that you pop or Instagram posts. It's evident to see that you just simply want to be the best, which is cool and probably why I connected with you and followed you is because I share similar passion like I when I do the sport I just want to be the best at it and I'm not in there for the glitz or the glamour or the or anything else like I just I just want to be really really good at it um yeah. which is which is cool and nice to meet someone so like-minded um also with like the natural scene do you always see yourself being a natural athlete is like have you ever had thoughts of going over to quote-unquote the dark side or anything like that um obviously from the sounds of it it sounds like you want to stay natural and be the best natural bodybuilder you can be is that correct yeah 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 this is absolutely no question about it awesome um yeah i have no interest in in going the other way really um many reasons of probably similar to yourself and as well just coming back to you know you obviously want to be the best at this sport and i probably can't do that if i start being enhanced if you know what i mean of course, um, of course yeah so yeah makes sense. you know besides that you know i just it's never interested me and like and honestly it's like it's like never crossed my mind to even like mm, should i do that kind of thing like just yeah. it's never been there. Yeah. so yeah and, uh, like i say like you just prove how it's how the or the potential to get incredibly big and very conditioned as a natural athlete so you know if you can achieve that naturally then i think it's much more rewarding personally uh to be able to say that you've stepped on stage with a physique that you've created purely by yourself and your own work ethic and you know obviously similarly in enhanced athletes will have very similar work ethics i'm sure to create some of their physiques but um, you know, at the same time, they can't say they did it all themselves, which I think is something quite yeah. important. Um, but yeah, awesome, Zach. So, finish off. Thank you very much for your time. And if anyone's looking to continue to follow you, I'm sure there'll be a few people that haven't maybe heard of you before that want to grab on to your socials. So, give people an idea as to maybe where you're most active on social media and also if they want to like contact you have you have hold your own got a business page or anything like that they could follow um but yeah just give where people can follow you basically mate yeah so um pretty much just my instagram it's just zach underscore pulos um also have a facebook page which again is just my name okay um the business i work for is called hold your own so they also have a um a Facebook and an Instagram page and they also have a website so you know out of all that if you need to get in contact with me Instagram Facebook's fine and I'll probably just um pass you on my email address and we can go from there 
Amazing, cool. Wicked Zach, well, again, thank you very much for your time. Um, enjoy your Friday. I believe it's Friday over there. And Yes, um, it is Friday. Yeah, I'm sure that people will follow you, stay in touch, and yeah, thanks again for coming on, mate. Cool. Thank you very much for having me on. It was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. No worries, Zach. So yeah, listeners, thanks again for listening to us for an hour of your time. Thanks for spending it with us. And if you care to review the podcast on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. And if you've got any questions for either me or Zach, if you are on YouTube, that would be awesome. Just pin them in the comments below. And I'm sure either me or Zach will get back to them and um, give you any answers that you want to have. But yeah, thanks again for listening, guys, and see you back in episode 29.